0: Well, hello and welcome to this episode of Dallas Christian College's Leadership Podcast. I'm your host Scott Spees and we are continuing in our series of podcasts where we are looking at some current topics and events that are having an impact in our society and world and particularly for the church. And if you've listened to uh, some of our previous podcasts, you know that early on Uh, We had a discussion with uh, DCC's President, Dr. Brian Smith, and uh, our Vice President of Institutional Advancement, Mark Worley, looking at the importance of a Christian worldview. For leaders, and particularly the the importance of Christian higher education. And today we're going to move that discussion into the church, and we're going to look at the the need for biblical education in our churches, which implies that there must not be a lot of biblical education happening. And so I'm glad to welcome today uh, our uh, chair of the Bible Department at Dallas Christian College, Dr. Mark Kalen, as well as uh, Mark Worley, the voice of DCC's Leadership Podcast. And we're going to let them discuss this topic of uh, biblical research and and the need for, for biblical education in our churches. So, Mark, I'm going to let you kick that off.
1: Yeah, thanks, Scott. Of course, <clears throat> you know, being a Bible college, uh, we really emphasize Bible. I mean, that sounds... Uh, uh, pretty simplistic, but but that's what we do. And what we find, and we're very passionate about people knowing the Bible because it's the Word of God that transforms lives. That's right. uh, Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is living and active. Uh, Dr. Halen, when I was studying uh, in graduate school, I, I ran across a, a theologian, W.C. von Unick. Okay, sounds like a weird name, and I, I had never heard of him before, but he said something that just... Uh, rocked my world. He said, w- we have too many parrots that squawk back whatever the wa- uh, the smartest person in their lives say, and we don't do original study. We don't really study the Bible for ourselves or think for ourselves. And I, I love one of the things about, uh, uh, about being at DCC and, and even attending as a student. Uh, this college taught me how to think, not what to think, and how to study the Bible for myself? Now I know right now you're <clears throat> you're involved, obviously, in the head of the Bible department. You're teaching Bible here to students, and I think uh, we used to have a course on how to study the Bible. I think it's called uh, Biblical Research uh, Introduction, Introduction to, to Biblical, Biblical Research. Research, and and I've heard you say before that, uh, right out in the halls here, uh, you were talking about uh, the students that we get now. As opposed to those students back uh, years ago, and one of the things that you mused about was the fact that they really don't know the Bible in depth. They know topical type of things and and things like that. And right now, I, I know that you're you're teaching at Compass Academy, and that's been really interesting. I've talked to one of the one of your students, and, and uh, right off the bat, uh, like in the first week or two, she was completely blown away. And she, you know, been in the church a long time, and she said, "Man, I I just have never looked at the Bible this way, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, I don't know if I can haul it all in, that kind of thing." And and I talked to her last week, and she said, "Wow, it's starting to sink in. I'm starting to get it, and it's really expanding my perception of the Bible." So, well, talk a little bit about that. Well, my
2: experience has been that. We in the church have been really good about telling people that they ought to read the Bible. But it's like any other great endeavor in human life, you need guidance and strategy, okay? Go be a computer programmer. Tell me how, okay? (laughs) Go build a house. Uh Tell me how. We need to make a first down on this play. What's the strategy? Are we running? Are we passing? Screen pass? What are we doing? You have to have a strategy. And what we have assumed, and I think part of the blame has to be on ministry professionals who themselves have learned skills, but they don't remember that there was a time maybe when they didn't have those skills, Um. We need to teach people strategies for reading the Bible, strategies for reading it well and interpreting it well. And so, as you mentioned with the von Unick uh, quote, what instead we have is, well, Pastor so and so says, right. or my Sunday school teacher, my adult, you know, group leader, my whatever says, I don't really know myself, I'm just telling you what they think. I've never <laughs> really exactly engaged with the text myself. And that's because we have assumed uh, some things about reading that that many people uh, can do, but maybe they can't do. We haven't guided them. And there are some other things that happen in the church that, you know, we... T- I think we do a good job in the church talking about well how you're you're supposed to read a text within its context. Well, yeah, that sounds reasonable. But what, what's the strategy for doing that? Mm-hmm. What are the tools for doing that? Um, another thing, this is going to sound like like a, almost a slam on 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 preaching and on sermons. It's not intended to be, but it's a reality that we that preachers need to realize is happening. On a Sunday morning, or a Thursday night, or a Saturday night, or whenever, whenever the, the, the preaching circumstance occurs, this is our text. We read the text, and we talk about the text. One of the subtle things that happens there is the sage on the stage has parachuted into the text on a mission, like he's an Army Ranger or Navy SEAL, And he's parachuted into the text. And he is engaged in a mission in the text. And then he's been picked up, okay? And he's now out of the text having accomplished the mission. Most of the people listening have not seen the background work. And so they think that the Bible is this text into which you can parachute anywhere. And you should be able to understand it to glean valid application from it. And then you can leave that text and parachute in, okay, you know, yesterday I was in Acts, today I'm in the Psalms. Tomorrow I'm in the book of Numbers, okay? Today I'm in Philippians. I should be able to just parachute in and out and accomplish missions in these texts. And And we don't go to movies that way. We don't show up at the movie theater 30 minutes into the movie, watch 15 minutes, leave, and then report on the movie as if we understand everything that's in the movie. We don't read novels that way. And so we need to be careful that we are not modeling, be it unintentionally, paradigms for reading the Bible that are inaccurate. I mean, we need to... We need to teach people how to read the Bible like it's a book. It has a beginning. It has a middle. It has an end. Bible books have beginnings, middles, mm-hmm. and ends. We need to read the Bible. And uh, you, you mentioned Von Olnick. Uh, what, one of the quotes, I, I can, you know, there are things from your college career, you have these, this great experience, but when you look back, you can only remember certain things. And you can, remember, you can almost remember the classroom and all that. When somebody said something, you go, wow, okay? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, had, I had a class on hermeneutics, you know, interpreting the Bible, and I'll never forget Dr. Weed giving us a description of the Bible given by the great New Testament scholar George Eldon Ladd, G.E. Ladd. Yeah. G-E Ladd. The Bible is the Word of God given in the words of men within history. 30 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, when I'm designing curriculum at DCC for how to study the Bible, interpreting, you know, introduction to biblical research, it dawns on me that all the basic fundamental principles for reading the Bible come out of that description. The Bible is the Word of God. We should expect it to be consistent. We can use Scripture to interpret Scripture. Scripture it's given in the words of men i need to understand it within the context of the original writer the original audience what's going on in their world i need to understand these words in that context given within history i need to i need to read the bible with an understanding of what's going on in their world you know, who are these persians who are the israelites who are the romans you know is it significant that Jesus is called lord in the context of the roman empire probably is since caesar was lord mm-hmm. in the first century context and and it's and sometimes it's not about incorrect interpretation i think that's another problem we have in the church we think the only problem is when people misinterpret scripture i think there's another problem we underread scripture yes and when we learn to read the Bible well, then then we see things that are right there for us to see. Maybe even some of the things that the sage on the stage has been telling us, but now we see it for ourselves. And when you see something for yourself, you're more likely to act on it. You're more likely to put it into your heart than if you're simply told something.
0: Can you give us an example of that under-reading scripture? I mean, just something off the top of your head that's a common mistake
2: oh i don't think it's not again not a mistake it's just an under reading okay this is what i just mentioned all the times that jesus is called lord in scripture them's is fighting words in the first century because caesar is lord yes the fact that you know christos kurios christ is lord Is like directly opposed to Caesaros, Curios. Caesar is Lord. And when you start seeing that, you start reading certain texts. You know, when Paul in Philippians says, for our citizenship is in heaven. That's right. From which we await a savior. That simple statement in the first century context is huge. Philippi is a Roman colony.
1: Paul is a Roman citizen. Named after Philip of Macedon, Alexander the Great's dad.
2: So you got a Roman citizen writing to Roman citizens saying, dudes, our citizenship is not really in Rome. Paul's willing to take advantage of it (laughs) when he can, okay? But that's not where our citizenship is. It's in heaven. And from heaven we await a Savior. Caesar was the savior in the Roman imperial right. yeah. cult. He's not Caesar; he is Jesus Christ, the Curios, the Lord. You know, so that's an example of underreading a text that you see the full significance of it when you actually think about it the way someone in Philippi. And that's what good Bible interpretation does. It helps us to get within the listening distance of the text, Mm. that we can hear the text the way its original readers heard it because the application we are to make should be something similar, not exactly the same usually, but something similar to how the writer intended his
1: original readers.
2: respond to the text
1: you know mark when we were uh i was in in a cities of paul tour and we were in philippi and it was really interesting there was a there was a remains uh, of a house church that was there i mean it was pretty incredible actually and so I had a chance to give a little bit of the background and then we had uh, different guys uh different people who were with us to read a, each one read a chapter in Philippians in Philippians That's and awesome. mo- many of those people said I will never forget that moment mm-hmm. they'd read Philippians before but one of the guys I was talking to uh recently he said man that, that just changed everything when I'm reading it in the, like I'm reading it for the very first time in first century Philippi. And he said I was, you know, I was able to see that and it just changed. I, wow. I'll never ever read Philippians like that again. And what we're
2: talking about, Mark, is for many people, they had that experience because you were the sage on the stage. What we need to start doing in the church, a better job of doing, and we live in a wonderful era of time to do this. Yes. Is to introduce people to the tools that are available to them that will enable them to have those same experiences without the sage on the stage. Yeah, I think for instance, you know, you have the we have the plethora of online Bible dictionaries. Yeah. Okay. To then read First Kings seventeen in the in the story of Elijah, you know the Brook Cherith and with the widow and Zarephath, you start reading those texts in the light of what's Baal worship? Who's this Jezebel character? Who's Ahab? Who's Elijah? Where is Zarephath? Oh, it's not an Israelite town. It's a town. It's a Phoenician town. What has that got to do with anything? When you start reading up on these, then all of a sudden. Whoa! Whoa! Things that were kind of fascinating, kind of interesting... Now are seen as very significant. I like I always like to say there are some things in life that are interesting that aren't really all that significant. There are some things that are significant in life, but they're not really all that interesting, okay, uh, to the casual observer. But there are many things in Scripture that are both interesting and significant, mm. and 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 you only discover that when you do some of the background research. That's that's now available. In the past, you had to know you had to buy a lot of books. Yeah, so then, Mark,
1: you know. you've really brought up uh I I think the way that people think when they hear the sage on the stage, they're like, "Well, that's years of study. I could never do that. I could mm. never really study the Bible like that." And I think what you're saying is, hey, that is possible. Uh, um so so Yeah, what what an edu- what a
2: theological education does is it compacts years of study into a short yeah short term of yeah. study. Yeah. You know my my father, okay, knew a lot of stuff about the Bible. He was the first great Bible scholar that I knew was my father. Sunday school teacher, an elder in the church. Okay. He got his stuff from just reading. Okay. And we had Bible dictionaries in our house. And he modeled for me. Huh. So as a youngster I learned a lot about the Bible before I ever got to Johnson Bible College, you know, where I had my formal education. What a formal education does is it accelerates, it compacts, and it helps you put things together. And by the way, that's that's another thing that I think happens in the church, is because we're doing this parachute in thing with small groups and all that. Again, that happens by necessity because of topics and themes and whatever. But often, what what happens is people don't put the whole story together. So you don't know that Samuel came after Moses, uh, that Samuel came before Solomon. You got all these people. You know these stories about all these people, but you don't know the grand arc of the narrative. You don't know how they relate to each other. You don't know how the text relate to each other. And so, and so, uh, the the ability. One of the things that happens, one of the happens, one of the things that happens in a more formal education thing is is the ability to put things together in meaningful holes and in meaningful segments. And I would contend that you can actually do that in the church. Now, it takes devoting maybe some you know set Bible study, some set classes, some set units that you do. But I think the ch- churches need to look at the grand. Per- uh, panorama of Scripture. This is how it fits together uh, more intentionally. Whenever I have taught, you know, you know, I teach your know, Bible study, I teach Sunday school class, I do all this. Whenever I teach a base camp type class where this is how we study the Bible, whenever I teach basic theology, whenever I teach a class on like this is the the, the big screen, the thirty thousand foot Old Testament survey survey 30,000 foot New Testament survey I always have I always have members of the class being Christians for 23 years say I've never put it together that way absolutely I've never understood no one has ever showed us this before
1: yeah dudes you know I've taught I've taught uh, the book of Acts which I absolutely love and every time there's been elders in 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 the class and they're like I never knew that I mean I never thought of it that way and it's basically putting it in its historical grammatical context, and not only showing what's going on in the text, but what's happening in in the world uh, mm-hmm. around. And it just, uh, hey, I th- I think Scott, we're going to have a cliffhanger here, uh, because Probably I so. think I think we need to wrap <laughs> this up. But uh, Dr. Halen, in our next episode, I would love to get re- real practical. Okay, where do people start? I mean, if they really want to dig deep, where do they start? Uh, how how do they get moving in the direction that you're talking about uh, to the point where we can actually study the Bible for ourselves? How can we do that? So hang we'll on. We'll do that, and we'll,
0: we'll provide some resources as well when we do that. But you're going to have to come back and join us. I was reminded... You know, we we tend to think, well, this is a 20th and 21st century problem. And no, it's been around forever. Paul writes this to Timothy, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And I, that just popped in mind when you were talking the, the sage on stage. I love that analogy. I think that's awesome. But hey, we are so glad you joined us today, and we will continue this discussion on the need for biblical education, especially in our churches. If you want to find out more about Dallas Christian College, we encourage you to go to our website www.dallas.edu, and we remind you that the mission of Dallas Christian College is to educate and mentor students to be people of influence engaging in their calling to the work of Christ in the church and in the world. That's why we exist, and that's the purpose of these uh, podcasts. So thank you, Mark Worley. Thank you, Dr. Halen. And we hope to see you next time. Take care. Bye.